You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, there's the music. That means it is time for Animal Talk. One of the best (laughs) something show. (laughs) Narf. Uh, we'll clean that up in post. Yeah, all right. Animal talk. <laughs> oh, it's America's Pet Show with some of the best doggone pet people on the planet. I think that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Like the guy sitting across from me. I'm... I'm Brian Donovan. Uh, I can play this game, too. Oh, my goodness. You're not the only one who's a radio professional. Uh, <laughs> lots of things happening on the show today. We're going to talk to Marty. You bit the hand, Marty. Marty. You bit the hand. Oh, Melvin. Melvin, I don't know, whatever. But Marty Irby, he's the executive director of the Animal Wellness Action Group. We talked to someone else from uh, Matt uh, Paselli. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Paselli. Wayne Paselli. Yeah. Uh, Marty is with the Animal Wellness as well. And uh, there's doping going on with horse racing. And we're, so we're going to talk about that coming up in the second half of the hour. I, I do have a question. Yes, yes. Is that your notepad? That is my notepad. Is that your writing? That is my writing. I'm, I went to your, school have, for nine years. I'm almost a your, doctor. You're writing analyzed? Because uh, that looks very serial killerish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's very, it, that's, it's very it's frightening. It's yeah, It should be. I'm frightening. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk about doping uh, with racehorses, and uh, Congress is making, making some moves. So we're pretty excited about that. Marty is really excited about it. He's going to share that with us. But in this first half of the show, we are going to be talking to uh, Dr. John Howe. He's the president of the American Veterinary American Veterinary Medical Association. And uh, it's, it's, it's Animal Dog Training Behavior Month. Okay. And it's Dog Behavior Training Month. Dog? With, I don't know. It's something like that. We're gonna we're gonna call up Dr. John and find out. <laughs> Dr. John, maybe you'll play some smooth some blues for us. Is that blues? Is that uh Hey, Dr. Howe, it's Jamie from Animal Talk, and I'm here with Brian. How you doing, Dr. Howe? Good. Okay, we got you on the, on the podcast, and uh, we're we're super super excited to have you with us. Uh, as we're here in in uh, a, a special month uh, about dog behavior. Yeah. So you are the president of the uh, American Veterinary Medical uh, Association, and uh, so why are you talking about dog behavior, Doctor Doctor John? Well, it's uh, I think it's a very important thing. Um, there are so many times when uh, we've I've, every veterinarian that sees dogs can tell you so many times where we've seen behavioral problems in dogs, and they could be caused by so many different things. And frequently, it might be a medical problem. Mm. All right, you know, uh, um, Doctor John, I'm a behaviorist by trade, and um, uh, for years when I trained dogs uh, on a weekly basis, I would uh, I would. You know, People would say, you know, my dog is two years old, three years old, and um, and all of a sudden he started this, you know, this odd behavior, and uh, or, or a cat for that matter, and um, so I would my, my first my first reaction to that would be, well, you know, an adult dog or cat is usually the same animal every single day. They're usually on, on a pretty even even keel. So when you notice a sudden behavior change, the mm. first thing you want to rule out is some sort of medical problem, right? 
So uh, right, yeah, exactly. yeah, you want to get them to the vet. What are the most typical uh, issues you come up with when there's a sudden behavior problem? Uh, pain is probably one of the most uh, common problems, and it can be very subtle. Uh, but veterinarians are, you know, we're trained in animal behavior also, and so veterinarians are a good resource uh, in training advice and developing behavior modification plans. But olds, a lot of older dogs, um, they'll have pain, or a younger dog can experience pain. And so if they start growling or looking very irritable, a lot of times that's a sudden problem with pain. They could also have some organ malfunction. They could have diabetes, which makes them pee more often. Or they could have a bladder infection, or they can have stones in their bladder, so they can't hold their urine very long. Hmm. So just all, all kinds of behavioral problems that can be caused from medical problems. You know, uh, let's look at the other the other way around, um, or, or a little bit different angle about uh, behavior, dog behavior, and uh, or animal behavior, and, and veterinarians. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, they, they'd say, you know, I think my veterinarian did something to my dog when oh. he was there, because now my dog <laughs> is acting weird. And uh, so my, my first, you know, response to that is, you know, um, chances are, your veterinarian did not go to school for that long just to abuse your dog. So yeah. let's rule that out. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, um, uh, you know, uh, how often do you take your dog into the vet just to get a treat and go home? You usually take the dog to the vet to get a shot or to get some procedure that's probably, you know, not his favorite procedure. You know, so I would, re- I always recommended that people would take their dog into the vet between visits, just for a very short time, maybe just a, a minute or so. Take them, you know, have them say hi to the receptionist and get a treat, and then and then go home. Um, is, is that a common practice? Do do, do vets in, uh, like yeah. that? Because I would always, I would always recommend people do that. That that's a great recommendation. We we always did that with our clients too, so that they'd come in, get a treat. Um, see some of the staff, even walking into an exam room for a few seconds, you know, turn around and walk out where nothing happened. Um, Cause we like, we like all our pets to come in and, and want to come in. We like them to come in happy to see staff, happy to see the veterinarian. So we always give them treats. There's so many things we do um, that now there are what's called fear free, fear free practices, but it's things that we've done, you know, for years and years and years you know, using much smaller needles and uh, distracting them with treats or with peanut butter, anything that that works to make their experience uh, a happy one. So you'd agree with me that most veterinarians probably don't beat uh, pets when they're in their care, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know anyone that would do that. Usually. Usually. (laughs) Usually. The other other thing is uh, uh, people will say, you know, my dog was – my dog uh, ha- uh, totally changed his personality once he was neutered. So what happened at the vet? And, uh, you know, again, you know, dogs are usually uh, neutered or spayed at uh, inflection points in the dog's development. Mm-hmm. So they're changing anyway. You know, so, you, right. you know, so yep. a, lot, a lot of times it happens at a point where the dog is maybe maturing a little bit and changing on their own. So... Um, I mean, there there are there are these uh, these myths out there, and and yeah. you know, the veterinarians might not hear it to their face, but behind their back, you know. And I'm sure most pet professionals, groomers, and trainers are are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Look, your vet is not doing anything yeah. wrong to your dog. It's just that you know, dog is is changing. You put him in this environment, he doesn't know what's going on. You can't explain to him, hey, you're going to get a shot or you're going to get neutered, you know. Um, so it's 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 going to be a little trying, but it's good to hear that you know, uh, vets are are really 
taking that uh, more and more into consideration. You know, the, the holistic approach or the approach where you you actually you know treat the yes. whole pet rather than just the symptoms, right? Right, right. And some people, you know, I live up in northern Minnesota, so a lot of dogs we see are hunting dogs. Mm. And there is a certain percentage of people that say, well, if I neuter my dog, he won't be a good hunter anymore, which is totally not true. <laughs> but oh. a lot of people think that. Yeah, that's definitely an old wives' tale. And that's pretty strong in the, in the hunting dog community. There's a lot of, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, you know, myths and things like that. that yeah, you know, yeah. you, if you leave, leave, let your dog uh, sleep in the house, he's gonna, it's going to ruin him for rabbit hunting or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's all sorts of... Uh, yeah. Of you know uh, things like that, um, so what uh, uh, what uh, is the um, uh, you know from time to time we hear about these new strains of um, uh, distemper and and uh, vaccinations suddenly just stop working after a while and and uh, uh, can, can can you help uh, clear the air on some of that? There, well, they change vaccines a lot, and they make they make they make them better and better. So a lot of vaccines last longer than, you know, it used to be one year. And then they came out with a three-year, you know, distemper parvo vaccine. And they always pick the best strain. So whatever's out there in the wild, you know, they will make sure that that strain is included. But vaccines are so effective in dogs. Um, we are seeing more diseases now in some dogs because there's some of that same mentality, that anti-vaccination mentality that some people have gone with with their kids and they do think the same thing with their dogs but you know of course none of that is true there are no side none of these abnormal side effects from vaccines the the uh, md from great britain that made those claims of autism was proven to be false he actually lost his license for all those false claims and um it's far better to vaccinate for everything I'll give you an example like uh if you're up where there's lakes and streams and wildlife, leptospirosis is very important to vaccinate for. It can be transmitted through the skin, through cracks in the skin. People can get it, dogs get it, and it'll be in deer urine, mouse urine. A lot of metro veterinarians will say, well, you're in the city, you know, you really don't need to vaccinate for this. They don't realize those people go to their cabin on the lake on the weekends and travel other places. And people travel all over with their dogs. So it's really important to vaccinate for all the things you might be exposed to, like Lyme disease. There's a behavioral problem. We've had people come in and, and say, wow, my dog is just, he just no energy anymore. Uh, he's a little grumpy. He's got pain, you know, and it shifts areas. It was, seems like it went his front leg. Next three days later, it's in his back leg. Well, you test him and it, it's anaplasmosis. Or, or Lyme disease, or sometimes they have both, and then they're really sick. And all that could have been, you know, well, you can't prevent anaplasmosis. There's no vaccine for that. But that's so important to bring them in right away with that behavioral change because we see a lot of that, thousands of cases a year up here. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, could you, if, if you were to give uh, people a top the top three behavioral, whether it's uh, commands or behavioral things they can do at home with their dog, what do you think that would be? Would it be sit-stay or would it be uh, walking on a leash or is there something else that people don't usually think about that could make the, the exam at the vet's office a lot more comfortable and less uh, less stressful for the owner? All those, dog. you know, all dogs, regardless of any age, really can benefit from formal training. So, like, if you're a trainer, you obviously know, you know, that is the best thing people can do because 
Uh, and it can be done at the home. Sometimes trainers will, you know, give owners a program uh, that they can do at home and then come in every so often to see how they're doing. That training offers a great bonding experience. It gives owners really valuable knowledge about normal canine behavior and motivations. And it, it's really good for ongoing mental and physical exercise for the dog. It is so much easier for people to prevent undesirable behaviors with proactive training and realistic expectations than trying to fix the problem after they develop it. So socialization is, is so key in all of this too. And it's different whether you're dealing with puppies or adult dogs, but that key socialization period between three and 14 weeks and really, I think the key is six to 10 weeks before 10 weeks. Those puppies get socialized well and get around lots of other people and lots of other dogs. Wow, it just it makes it so much easier when they do come to the veterinarian or when they go anywhere. Absolutely. But yeah, sit and stay and heal. But sit and stay are uh, those are great ones to, to train their dog. And it's just like children. If you if your dog will stay, you might save that dog's life. I know a, a friend of mine who trained dogs in the military, and he had a, a big mastiff, and Somebody pulled by and parked their car out in front of his long driveway, and this dog took off after that to see you know, who that person was. And he told the dog to sit and stay, and it just dropped right down, right now, just stopped. And uh, so it prevents a lot of dogs from getting hit by cars, too. It's just like kids. Kids run out in the street, and if, if uh, stop doesn't mean anything, you know, they get hurt. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. John, what, what kind of animals do you have at home right now? What kind of pets do you have? Uh, we just had to put our dog to sleep. We had an English bulldog oh. that was very old. I've had, you know, I've had labs and, uh, just mostly labs and horses and, <laughs> and everything else. Right, right. So what was, Snakes. Dr. John, what was your, what was your first pet? My very first pet was, a. Uh, I think I was about 10 or 12. It was a, a mixed dog. It was half golden retriever, half Brittany Spaniel. Ah, oh, mine was lint. <laughs> we were so poor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I did have so, those sea monkeys, and the sea so, monkeys never really, they, they, they didn't look like the, the sea monkeys in the no, comic books. I'll no, tell you that. they got ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Dr. John, how has training changed from when you had your first dog uh, to, to training concepts t- today that you're aware of? Well, training concepts are so much better. I mean, trainers are, uh, you know, there's so much more knowledge level that they have. They're so much uh, better educated in training methods. So in the, uh, yeah, so the American Veterinary Medical uh, Association, what is what is your mission uh, generally? What do you guys do? Because I, I get emails from you from you all the time letting me know about this, letting me know about that. But uh, generally, what's, uh, what's your, what's the, what's the mission? It's really promoting uh, veterinarians, um, veterinary practice, and um, letting people know, you know, that veterinarians do so much more than just, uh, we're not just pet doctors. Yeah. Veterinarians, you know, we're, we're involved with uh, public health. Uh, a lot of the public health service are really all veterinarians because so many diseases are transmitted from animals to human. And it's all food safety. It's all done by veterinarians. 
um, just so many different things that veterinarians are involved with. You know, it's I don't know if you got a, an angle on this, but it seems like in the last five years, there's been more food recalls, like pet food recalls, like in the last five oh, years. that's for sure. Because we've been doing, you know, Animal Talk, we've been doing this for like 25 years, and Brian and I just goofing around and, and doing silly stuff on the radio. And, and, and but it just really seems, what what's behind like all these, it just seems like in the last like five years, there's just been like so many more recalls. What is, what's that all about? Well, you know, a lot of the recalls, you know, if you kind of categorize them, most of them that I have seen have really been with raw pet foods. And a lot of the raw pet mm-hmm. foods, that can be dangerous because a lot of them will be contaminated. They can have listeriosis, which affects people, salmonellosis. Um, so all those diseases that don't get cooked out mm. can be in, in those raw pet foods. And so the pet gets it, the dog gets it, and they can end up hospitalized, you know, bloody diarrhea, extremely ill. And then the parent, the people get it, the kids get it. So handling raw food, if they're feeding a raw food diet, you have to be so careful with handling and cleanliness. But it can be in the food itself, and there's not much you can do. You know, I've, I've never been comfortable with that, and that has exploded in the last six, seven, eight years, uh, the raw food diets, yeah. you know, for that reason. In and, tandem with the and, recalls. Yeah, and, and people will leave the food out mm. and, uh, you know, half the day in a, in a dog food dish, and, you know, it stinks. It, it could go bad. I mean, the the more raw it is, mm. the more chance it is to, uh, uh, yeah. like you said, things. And, and things like pig ears. Pig ears still have a lot of salmonella in them. And so they chew on that pig ear, and a lot of those pig ears have come from China and other places, but that's just not a safe thing either. Yeah. You know, um, pig ears are much more dangerous than rawhides, but I've seen a lot of dogs get a rawhide all softened up, and then they try to swallow it and mm. end up choking. Yeah, that's, so. a big, uh, that's a big issue with the, with the rawhides and the pig ears. Dogs that kind of scarf their food down or really don't take the time to chew on a toy or a rawhide, they'll just kind of uh, consume it instead. Um, that's got to that's gotta be a problem for a, a lot of dog owners. So, yeah, Dr. John, so raw food, um, it can be tricky. Uh, people food is, is generally a, a no-no for your pets. But when you're training your dog, because we're talking about January being National Train Your Dog Month, when you're training your dog, is it okay to kind of break from uh, regular little Scooby snacks and maybe do something uh, a little special to help with training and, and food, food motivate your dog? Dr. John, did we lose him? You know, he, he's we he, he's only the president of AVMA. It might have been too difficult for him to answer. Yeah. And he's still thinking about it. <laughs> I think he's back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there he is. Oh, you're back. We had you potted out there for a second. Yeah. Sorry oh, about did. that. Oh. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we didn't, we didn't catch it. We had you turned down there for a second. Uh, I don't know what had that. Okay. <laughs> these, these computers are really complex, Dr. John. <laughs> So yeah, food motivating your dog is there? Uh, is, is it okay to break away from regular Scooby snacks to uh, to, to food motivate your dog? Sure, absolutely. All right. So and, and and like I said, you can give a a much tinier piece. They don't need a whole big treat. Sure. See, I think the tiniest little piece. And what have been what have I been telling you for twenty years, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get Brian in trouble. Yeah, when you when you when you give a treat, a treat, it's just a shot of something good mm-hmm. to associate with a certain behavior. It doesn't have to be a ham sandwich, right? Right. You know, just a little right. piece of something. That's all. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like giving them a million bucks. You just give them a little piece of this or a little piece of a hot dog, anything, yeah, yeah. and they think they've they've yeah. hit the lotto. <laughs> awesome. That's right. 
That's right. Well, uh, Dr. John Howe, uh, thank you so much. You're the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, letting us know about uh, National Train Your Dog Month. Thanks so much. for. Is there a website that people can get more about uh, all the stuff that, that you guys are up to? Yeah, they can look at uh, – uh, well, they can go to avma.org. Okay. Um but if and if also if they um, if they have a if their pet has a real serious problem, mm-hmm. uh, we might send them to a boarded uh, behaviorist, a veterinary behaviorist. They can also go to www. It's dacvb. dot org. It stands for Diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists. But okay. There's about ninety boarded behaviorists across the country. Oh. Um, so that and then. You know, looking for trainers, of course, it's, you don't want to try to pick a trainer who's science, uses science-based and humane methods and um, somebody with credentials, preferably. Uh, but there are trainers out there that aren't credentialed that are excellent, you know, that I've known. But if they're a certified pet dog trainer or somebody from the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants or those kind of things, it, I think it benefits every owner. To spend, people spend are spending so much money on their pets. They buy clothes, they buy all these things to dress them up for holidays. Oh. If they would spend a fraction of that money on training, I think they would be uh, much happier. <laughs> I think very so smart. Too. Good advice, Doctor John. Thanks so much. You're welcome. All My right, pleasure. Take it easy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Jamie, you know why I'm yeah. not uh, a board certified uh, a behavior trainer? Right? Oh. You, uh, do you know why? You couldn't pass a background check? Uh, no. Okay. No. I would never belong to a club that would accept me as a member. <laughs> yeah, that one in your pocket ready to go. I did. <laughs> Matt and I were struggling with that quote for a while. I That's still got uh, it wrong, but I mean. Is that uh, yeah, close uh, uh, Groucho Marx, right? Uh, I, I, is he that or Karl Marx? George I think, <laughs> Which one was the funny one? <laughs> <laughs> they were both kind of funny. That's yeah, how well. you look at it. <laughs> Which side of the steps you're on? Yeah. All right. <laughs> too, so- too soon? <laughs> Not really. No. no. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So cool. So, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, horses, but uh, we had some questions about uh, breeds. So if you're going to – I'm going to get – they had a question uh, about a breed we're going to throw at you, Brian. People wanted to know – you're, you're pointing at my computer. Do I, do uh, I need to do anything? <laughs> you might. You might, Rabbit. You might. Um, so uh, here's the question. I'm, I'm a college student, and I'm looking for a dog. I need one, a smallish dog. Um, is there a breed you would suggest? I'm looking at a Lapsa Apsa or a Shih Tzu. Uh, so, yeah, what uh, As a for a college student, student? Yeah, college could, what college student can afford a Shih Tzu? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're both fine choices, Jamie, yeah. but when I think college student, you know mm. what I think? Mm. Um, first of all, they're not going to be uh, around probably as much as they should, Okay, and they probably need to keep the dog quiet. They're studying, they're mm-hmm. you know, partying, doing whatever, right. uh, and they need to uh, – the dog needs to stay quiet, and um, uh, my, my first thought was a sighthound, like a whippet or something, oh, you know, mm. just something kind of quiet. You had whippets. Yeah, yeah. You had, yeah. Uh, jo- was it Joey? Joey, yeah. I loved Joey, man. Yeah. That was a good dog. Yeah, he was a good dog. That was a... Remember Joey? I remember. Oh, oh good times. Yeah. <laughs> remember remember that one time? Yeah. And then Joey uh-huh. was in the studio, mm-hmm. and he, he like, nuzzled me. <laughs> that, was, yes. that, was, that was great. Yeah. 
was, <laughs> all right. Awesome. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but like a whippet. All right, a sight hound. What are what are what are, what are some other sight hounds? Uh, you might well, uh, the the whippet comes to mind. You know, uh, Italian greyhound would be a little bit too small. They want a smallish dog, right. smallish. So maybe a dog, uh, a Lhasa. Shih Tzu, they're they're both pretty good choices, I suppose. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, something kind of rugged, something that because uh, the other part of college life is it can get a little rowdy in the house. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> a, a dog breed that's uh, are whippets because you, you're you're a beast. You are not. You do not play nice. <laughs> what are you talking you, about? You, you, you are talking an, about the party side of Brian? You are an animal. <laughs> when I was single, you know, I you had to get some things out of my system. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but so you had Joey the whippet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is a whippet a hardy? Is it a rough and tumble kind of? Because they look frail. Well, no, that's the other side of it. Uh, they, okay. they do like to be quiet. So I'm thinking about the quiet college yeah, yeah. student. If you're more rough and tumble, you know, how about something like uh, Australian cattle dog? Mm. You know, something that's kind of wash and wear. Okay, you don't have to take them to the vet every two weeks or, yep. t- or the groomer every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about their hair coat or anything. So, um, you know, something uh, a little bit hardier. You know, uh, right? Um, even a uh, uh, you know, uh, for some reason, pit bulls t- tend to, to uh, assimilate to a, a, a dorm life or a, <laughs> mm-hmm. a you know, pretty, or not dorm apartment, but, a, <laughs> but like a frat house li- right. kind, of, kind of lifestyle pretty easily. I was going to mention pit bulls. I was going to mention the pit. Matt just brought a pit mix yes. into his life. It's mixed with a, 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 a sh- shepherd. Yep, German it, it shepherd. Lo- it looks, and it's got a longer nose. Yeah, it's got it, that longer snout. It's not a shepherd. It, it looks like it's mixed with. Uh, with uh, a kangaroo and maybe <laughs> a little anorexia thrown in there. <laughs> you know, you're it's not a far handsome off. dog, though. You're not far yeah. off. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. But yeah. guess who else just brought a pit bull in? In, in I think this is going to help the breed. Who? Uh, Jean Luc Picard. Really? really? Yes. Um, he, he, actually, he has yeah. a, the poster for the thing. He's standing. He's going to stand in there looking really? over the the fields of his vineyard in a beautiful golden haze and snuggled up right next to his leg is like a little pit bull just kind of with think his he head a, half cocked and looking at him. I think he yeah. was a foster fail oh, as yeah. well with the pit bull. Okay. I think, right, right. I, I have think. I have yet to see uh, Picard, the Picard. So I haven't um, seen it yet either. I'm, but I, I, I love the Star Trek I'm from the Midwest. I can I tell just the way you described it. In front it. of it. It's just uh, the way you described So I'm looking forward. I'm looking, for, I'm looking. I like, John, I like uh, just Patrick Stewart is just, yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart is just... He's money. He's just <laughs> – he's so money. <laughs> wow. We're sliding back to swingers here. He's <laughs> so money. He is, time? though. He's just money. I just I want to go party with a dude. I just yeah. – so yeah. he is – he is so money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's in there shaking her head. My God, there's nothing you can do to fix this. <laughs> um. Here's a breed that I, I heard about. Um, it just all of a sudden the stuff about breeds came up. What is an American foxhound? Have you ever heard of American yeah, foxhound? Yeah. Is it a common dog? And what kind of, how big is it? No, no. It's because uh, George Washington was fond of them and had them. He bred them, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of fallen out of favor, you know, to, uh, you know, the beagles are much more, um, uh, much more popular nowadays. Okay. Are they the reminiscent of the beagle? Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I think the beagle is a derivative of the foxhound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, certain dogs will fall in and out of favor over time. Yeah. Uh, do you know anyone that has a, an Irish wolf or a Irish setter? Oh, no. no. I, lo- I like but, Irish. You know, in the, in the 70s, oh, yeah. they were very, very popular. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about a Gordon setter? No. 
Uh, I said the Gordon Fisherman. Uh, Gordon Setter looks just like an Irish Setter, but, but they're black and tan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. And how about an English Setter? I've heard of those. I've yeah, but I mean, you, you don't see not, them every day. No, no. But not see, every day. so that that whole kind of a line of dogs is just kind of they they had their heyday, and it's kind of you know. Do they have fur or hair? Are those fur dogs or hair dogs? They're 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 hair. They yeah. have a long hair coat, right? Right, and they're they're gun dogs. You know, they're so they might they might be ah. a little bit more hypoallergenic, right? Because people go for the yeah, it could be the fur over yeah. the like poodles, right? They're yeah. all poodles because they large have dogs. hair. They're, they're yeah. big dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dobermans have kind of fallen out of favor. Yeah, you know, those they used they to were, be pretty pretty in the eighties. Yeah, they yeah. were pretty popular. Seventies, eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, even cocker spaniels, they had the, their heyday uh, back in the. In the seventies uh, and um, in eighties, and and uh, right, we had know, a cocker spaniel personally, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, the Cavalier King Charles spaniel, which was almost unheard of right. in the sixties, seventies, now is like um, you know that's that's a very very popular breed these days. Right, right. right. So yeah, different breeds kind of. In fact, um, speaking of breeds, AKC just uh, just sanctioned a few more uh, brand new breeds. Really, a couple that I hadn't even heard of. Um, uh, Man, I I should probably have a have this prepared before I yeah. even mention it, huh? But you know, from time to time, uh, the AKC they they recognize about 150 breeds of dogs, um, and they'll uh, they'll have uh, new breeds from time to time that they they sanction. Right. So in order for a breed to be sanctioned, it has to have a record of a type, yeah. a type. So they have to be a certain size. It has to be a predictable. Um, uh, type of dog, so it's got to be you know, you know the size, the hair coat, mm. everything has to be kind of uh, buttoned down before you can uh, right. before a breed becomes sanctioned by the AKC. You know, we're trying to call out to Marty, and, and Marty's trying to call in. I, I don't think he's coming through. I think we're going to give Marty uh, a call here because we're talking Marty Irby, the executive director of the Animal Wellness Action. Hey, see, so we got five turned up, and uh, we're going to try to give him a holla and uh, connect with him. Uh, about this horse racing uh, and the legislation. Hey, Jamie. That was, hey, Marty, uh, it's, uh, my phone is stupid, so um, I apologize for no not answering there. But we got you uh, on Animal Talk, and Brian is here, and Matthew is here, and Samantha is here as well. Greetings, Marty. Hello, sir. Yes, great to be on with you guys. You've got a crew tonight. Yeah, we do. So, Marty, there was uh, it's, 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 tell us about, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the troubles in horse racing because, um, you know, it's, it's uh, America's pastime. Okay, well, no, it's not. Baseball is. <laughs> but America, a lot of America is enamored with uh, horse racing. And when the Kentucky Derby rolls around, so many people are having derby parties and wearing hats and celebrating horse racing. Um, but then you have uh, regular racers, and, and there's regular races going on all the time. But there's a lot of trouble on the track, from what I understand. And there's some legislation that was coming down that just got just got argued or or positioned or something in between impeachment <laughs> hearings. Uh, they were talking about some horse legislation. So, Marty, can you fill us in on the on the on the, on what the the general problem is with horse racing, and what's this legislation being argued? Yeah, absolutely, and thanks again for having me here this evening. You know, I'd say first, it's not really America's pastime, it's the sport of kings. Ah, but these days, there aren't near as many kings as there used to be. No, there's no. So um, it's, it's an interesting industry where, you know, the entire enterprise is built specifically around the animal, the horse, and without that, they wouldn't really have much of one. So the problem that we have in the U.S. is that drugging and medication abuse is very rampant and it's something that is 
causing the deaths of many horses across the U.S. They don't have these problems near as badly around the rest of the world, Great Britain, Australia, other countries. And only the U.S. and Canada allow for drugs to be used on race day. So it's perfectly legal for a multitude of performance-enhancing drugs, for pain-masking agents and other things to be utilized in the U.S. And what the Horse Racing Integrity Act, which is H.R. 1754 in the U.S. House of Representatives and F. 1820 in the U.S. Senate, um, led by two congressmen who represent districts that are two of the primary districts in American horse racing, Paul Tonko from Saratoga, New York, and Andy Barr, who represents Lexington, Kentucky, the horse capital of the world, may you refer to it as. Mm-hmm. So um, the two senators are Senator Gillibrand from New York and Senator McSally, Mark McSally, the Republican from Arizona. And what the legislation would do is it would first and foremost ban the use of drugs on race day. So we would be on even keel with the rest of the world if the legislation passed and became law. And it would also grant the authority to do all of the drug testing and to make all of the rules and create a uniform national standard to USADA, which is the U.S. anti-doping agency that oversees the Olympics. They call it Lance Armstrong and really have the credibility, not only in the U.S., but around the world. So we want to see drugging end, and we believe that it will help end a number of those deaths because the death rate is about 2.5 times higher in the U.S. than the rest of the world. So the uh, is the end game um, no drugging of the horses or no horse racing um, at all, what's the uh, uh, what's what's the final outcome in your best world view? Well, you know, from my view, what we're out to do is to end the doping and end the abuse in horse racing. We don't oppose horse racing. There are a lot of people who do, though, and the sentiment against horse racing is growing on a daily basis. I get more and more calls from advocates each day that are saying, if they don't get their act together soon, we're going to start protesting them and start working to end horse racing rather than just end doping in horse racing. So the clock is ticking very fast. And the hearing that we had this week was in the U.S. House of Representatives under the House Energy and Commerce Committee. And uh, I was the animal protection witness that testified before the subcommittee. And we really had a great debate. I had a tremendous showing of both Republicans and Democrats in support of the bill probably as bipartisan of a hearing as I've ever been involved in as far as support goes. And then we had people from the industry, the vice president of the Jockey Club, which is the third breed registry. We had uh, world-famous jockey Chris McCarran, who's uh, raced in 34,000 races in his life. And I think he said he won uh, about 7,000 of them. He testified in support of the bill from the jockey's view that there are also jockeys that get paralyzed because of horses that break down and break their legs on a track when they go down. So uh, we've got overwhelming support. Um, the opposition, though, is very well-funded and very organized. And, you know, there's a bunch of thugs that are out there that just want to drug horses and an organization run by a guy named Eric Kimmelback, the, uh, one of the horsemen's organizations. Um, so these are the people who are really heavily into the drugging and really have benefited from the drugging and rigging the system that are against it, but um, but they're loud and very vocal, too. Now, uh, if you can give us an idea of, you see, I don't race horses. I'm not into it. I've never even seen a horse race. I don't, um, I don't know anybody who is really into it. Give us an idea of how big the industry is, because it seems like an obscure little niche thing that's kind of going away from my perspective, but I know there's big money in it. 
but maybe people would be surprised to know the scale of it. So uh, do you know numbers? How many horse races are there? How much money is involved? You know, that sort of thing. That, that might be helpful. Yeah, I think a few of the numbers that might be helpful is that there are about 400,000 jobs in the United States related to American horse racing. Now, those may be trainers, track operators, grooms, veterinarians, etc. So that's about the size of the horse racing economy. Um, I know it's a multi-billion dollar industry in the U.S., but it is definitely dying on the vine. I know that there were so many tracks, I'm not sure what the number was, but there were dozens more tracks just a few decades ago than there are today, and it's very much shrinking. The fan base is an older, white, graying male who, you know, might be in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, um, some in California, Florida, and of course Kentucky, which is a big racing state, but there are no young people getting involved. Millennials, for the most part, won't have anything to do with it and, you know, see it as just a tragedy for animals because there are over 500 or so horses dying on the track each year in the Ooh. U.S. So wow. unless something changes dramatically and uh, it, it's an uphill battle for these folks, um, it will eventually go the way of the dinosaur and the way of greyhound racing and the way of the Ringling Brothers Circus and SeaWorld and other things of that nature. I think we have to put an end to all those college mint julep parties. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could get some uh, college students interested in horse racing. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it just seems like an old-fashioned kind of uh, thing that just needs to needs to go away. Yeah, you they're going to do what in the stable? No. Yeah, yeah. There were two tracks like here in the metro Detroit area that have uh, kind of gone to the wayside. <laughs> well, there's one about uh, 200 yards, yards away from <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, 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 there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a harness racing yeah. uh, track here in Northville, Michigan. And I've lived here, Marty, for – 14 years, I've never stepped foot into that thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's closed now, though. Yeah. They do some off-track betting they, in the in the yeah. building, but the the track itself is done, right? Uh, well, no, they still... They oh, still they still? Have, yeah, they still do some... Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But um, it's... Shows you how much I know. But <laughs> That's I mean, how connected we are to but it. But yeah. it's just... It just uh, yeah, I mean... Um, but they've, they've been they've been closing for the, the yeah. last 20 years. Like, right. oh, we're going out of business. We're going to... Yeah, yeah. But, the, yeah, the off-track betting is what has given it a resurgence, I guess. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, so Marty, um, so the, uh, the the drugging is this something that it seems like a, a pretty simple thing to monitor. So, is the problem with the owners? Is it with the oversight organizations, or uh, is it a little bit of everything? It's a little bit of everything, but I would say you know the most important thing that people should know is that state racing commissions. There's a patchwork of 38 different states that have racing commissions or jurisdictions of various natures. And for the most part, drugging is legal. Now they have a bunch of different rules in different states and different penalties, but it's not illegal to drug a horse. And that's where a lot of the problems lie. There's one particular drug. It's a diuretic um, called Lasix or Salix. And what that does when you give it to a horse is it causes them to urinate about 30, 40, maybe even 50 pounds of water weight off of their body just before they race. So they actually are dehydrated, but they run faster because they weigh less. And what that does is actually create a situation where when they're done running, they're just given out. They can't race as many times as they used to. They have to do what they call a jug them with all these different liquids just to be able to keep them, um, you know, somewhat healthy and to allow them to recuperate from the drugging. And then what LASIK and Salix does, um, I know even in humans, it, it's uh, – um, basically a deterioration 
uh, of the bone structure causes osteoporosis in humans and causes their bones to become brittle and more susceptible to break. And then those horses get fractures when they're running and then unscrupulous trainers who run them when they shouldn't be running them and they're completely in pain, give them pain masking drugs. So there's another race to the bottom, kind of just another step of drugging. And running those horses on unfound legs, and those are the horses that are just running on the track and breaking down, you know, their legs snap in half. I've seen videos of horses where both front legs hit the ground and both front legs snapped in half on the track in front of everybody on television. It's a crazy domino effect with the drugs. Wow. Yeah. So Marty, uh, so how, the uh, how can people find out more about? Because uh, you guys are you guys are on it with so many different uh, initiatives. How can people find out more about uh, Animal Wellness Action Group? Yeah, check us out at www.animalwellnessaction.org. We have a page related um, solely to horse racing and the drugging reform and many other equine issues like horse slaughter and the soaring of Tennessee walking horses and. Uh, the Bear Protection Act you guys talked with my colleague Wayne about a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. So we're out there on Capitol Hill five days a week working to pass legislation and hope folks will come support us and help trying to enact these animal reforms. So would people be able to track what's happening with uh, this horse legislation on your website? Yes, they will. Yes, they would. We have 236 co-sponsors. That means 236 to 435 members of the U.S. House and 25 of 100 U.S. senators in the Senate that have signed their name to the dotted line as a co-sponsor and said, we support this. And we're trying to increase that number to pass the legislation. Um, one of the challenges, of course, is that the Senate majority leader is Mitch McConnell, who is from Kentucky, and yep. there are a lot of people in Kentucky who don't want this to pass. So sure. he's neutral, fortunately, but we need his support to get this done. Right, right, right. All right. Well, so, uh, geez, if we get them, get, vote them out next time, right? So, uh, yeah, that would be the way to do it, right? So, oh, wow. Okay. Marty, thanks so much for uh, giving us giving us some info on that. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to talk anytime. I really appreciate you guys uh, letting everyone know about these issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be checking in uh, more about the bears and more about the horses and all the other great stuff that you're doing. Yep, we'll keep you posted on the movement and uh, really appreciate you guys and the show that you do and the awareness that you're creating across the country and really probably globally uh, on a global scale. Well, thanks. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank All right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Marty from the uh, Animal Wellness, Wellness Action. Action. Yeah. Dot org. Dot Lots org. of great information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Samantha's here. Hey, Sam. Sam, say something. Sam Nork. Estoy muy bien. She forgot how to speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, hey. There you is. can't speak Spanish? Huh? Uh, you guys bit. don't speak Spanish? I see, I see. So-so. So-so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for, for... Los Platanos. Bad animal jokes. The I'm bananas. Not, I'm coming up with just memes. <laughs> memes are funny. Yeah, but yeah, I can't hold gotta, a meme up to have... the microphone. <laughs> yeah, you can. You Look can read this. it. You can read it and say. Well, memes, you need the photo with the oh, memes. Oh, wait. If you have memes, I'll post them on the. Uh... Or will I? There you go. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you never know. Oh. Uh, hey, Sam, play it... play that funny music oh, for us. Oh, yeah. Who's bad? Is that the right one? Yeah. That's the one. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, we're not picking on you today. Yes. God, it's time it. for <laughs> the bad animal joke of the week. Who's bad? All right, here we go. A couple bad animal jokes for you. What do you call a frozen dog? Popsicle. A popsicle. Guys, you got to do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, my God. Who just, uh, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that was on last. I was like, oh, I heard this great animal joke. Oh wait, no, that was on last week's show. Oh my god! I, re- I was gonna retell last week. Wait, week's can joke. you retell wait, it? Wait, that was his joke one time. Remember and remember. Can you retell when, it? When Mike told that joke. Yeah. Can you retell was, it? I wasn't was there. Um, can you retell it? I wasn't there. Not I, I was. I don't. I don't remember. I, I, I was there. Too, yeah. All right. So Sam, how does how does a dog stop the VCR? VCR. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> okay, Boomer. He presses the pause button. Oh my god! Uh, that's, that's a Betamax right Wait, there. did VCR even have pause? I thought it just said stop. <laughs> frame by frame. Tracking. Man. Tracking. Yeah. Tracking. Frame by frame. That's how you watch Basic Instinct. All right. So, uh, 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 last one. What kind of dog wears contact lenses? I don't know. A cockeyed spaniel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye. That's it. So, Sam, play some music and then tell people uh, about stuff. Oh, hold on. You Uh, can do that. Playing music. Hello. Well, Good hello. afternoon. So, yeah, Sam, how do people find out about this? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so we have our website, uh, www.animaltalkradio.com. You don't have to put the www. I just say that because it's fun. And uh, <laughs> we have it our... It speeds things up. Yes, we have our social media, at Animal Talk Radio. That is Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah. Everything. We got everything. You know what? Oh, all around the world. All around the world. She says this every week. Yeah. We could just... Recorded on the VCR. Oh, that'd be so everyone. nice. Because I don't want to say it anymore. And then hop, pa- pause. Pause. It. Yeah. Play it when we hit the it. pause button. Oh, so um, thanks to uh, yeah. yeah, thanks to uh, Dr. John Howe, president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, for being with us. Marty, you bit the hand, Marty. Marty, Marty, the executive director of the Animal Wellness Action Animal Wellness Action Org, for being our guest today, and Matt Fox. Hello. He was actually Matt was running today. He was like running yeah. everything. Yeah. He was like I was all having a good time doing it too. So. Behind the scenes guy. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm, uh, I'm like being promoted. And sorry. Stuff. He's, I, he's uh... making everything here at the <laughs> podcast Detroit Northville Studios hum. Yeah. Uh, you got the fabulous TV that's like, there. Like were we kitten. on video today? Were, did we, we have Facebook? We were up? not. No, we didn't. No, do sorry. I had I, one job. One job. I came in a little late. <laughs> Talked about that earlier. You yeah, got one, one job. Don't eat the cookie. <laughs> don't eat the cookie. So <laughs> no, I'm getting. Don't eat the cookie. All right. <laughs> uh, I think that's gonna do it. So uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment. We appreciate you sharing time with us. Till next time, have an exotic week. And kiss your wild thing for me.